Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. If you'd like to find out more about Awakening Reformation podcast, you can go to rebelalliancemedia.com, mm-hmm. and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as Rebel Alliance Media. We are a part of the Rebel Alliance Media So Grant and I are blogging for the Rebel Alliance Media, so you can find our blog posts over there. Also, our episodes are now being released under the Rebel Alliance Media, so you are finding us under the Rebel Alliance Media Master Feed. So please subscribe to Rebel Alliance Media, so that way you get every new episode that comes out on Tuesdays. We have another podcast called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids that we record with our kids. And it's basically a church history podcast, real short, about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we cover important church fathers and other leaders of the church. And it's for you and your families. Yeah. So that also comes out on Mondays. Yep. And then on Wednesdays, the Rebel podcast comes out from our good friends up in Canada. (laughs) Canadia land. In Canadia land. (laughs) Uh, Pastor Nate Wright and his protege. Vanilla Knox. Z. Although he's got great nicknames. I mean, Pootie and Poots and all that are good. I don't know that he wants to be called Poots. I feel like, isn't that his, isn't that actually his name? Poots? Yeah, but wouldn't he sooner be called the Vanilla Knox? That's infinitely cooler. Of course. So, big announcement on this episode is our giveaway winner. Yes. If you didn't catch it on social media, the winner is Jess Has. That's so, the screen name on iTunes. We don't know who that is, nope. but his screen name is Jess Hurst. Yeah, it might girl. be a girl. I don't know. That'd I'm be pretty Jessica. cool. Jessica. Jess is very gender Could neutral. Jessie. Mm-hmm. Jess has J-E-S-S-H-A-S. Yep. No clear indicator of who that is by the screen name. But you won, and you've won a treasure trove of prizes. That's right. So We're like Oprah up in here. That's right, except just one person wins. And we have better theology. So email us at awakeningreformation at gmail.com with your address so we can ship it to you. Yep. Or if it's easier for you, you can even find us on Facebook and message us on Facebook. And if we don't get a response, are we going to give it to someone else? Listen, Jess has. <laughs> if we have not heard from you, by the time we have to move to our new house, your beloved prize must go somewhere else. The only way these prizes are leaving North Carolina is if it's in a package. I thought with you were saying else. a body bag. No. <laughs> if it's in a package with no, someone else's address. No, we're sending them to heaven. Address. The kind of heaven a t shirt and a tumbler would go to. Someplace where it gets right, to right, be right. used. Jess has his house. So I thought we had better theology than Oprah. (laughs) All right. We feel so unified to our listeners. We feel so much love from all the reviews that you have given to us over this last month. It's abounding. It's abounding. Our cup overfloweth. We just, we feel the love. We feel the love from the rebels. Yeah. You know, uh, listeners who have shared the love with us and all the reviews and all of the awesome feedback we've been getting from this podcast and Fathers of the Faith. And from your blog posts. Mm-hmm. So we thought, let's talk about 
Christian unity. So there's uh, another side of the coin that we see Christians not being so nice and not so unified Mm -hmm. in many different spheres. One main sphere being social media. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because the Rebels podcast came out today about that as well. Yeah. Well, they... Yeah, they were specifically talking about starting fights on Facebook. It was really basically, good. Basically. Mm-hmm. But just kind of engaging the culture and is it really worth it and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our lives are dealt with and uh, expressed mm-hmm. on social media. So, And some of the strangest things people find in offense in, you know? Like you can post something that just seems so non-confrontational and someone yeah, right? can take offense to it so easily and it just seems so silly that even if you're not trying to be confrontational or something it still happens all the time so i thought that was very helpful specifically between christians unity is a very important aspect of being the church right so we thought it apt to talk about the topic right when is it appropriate to be unified is there ever a time when you should detach from a specific Uh, type of Christian or are certain factions of Christianity okay to interact with other Christians Mm -hmm. from a differing faction? And then is it just in like Christian mission? Can we worship together? I mean, there's so many questions. Right. So we thought we'd talk about that tonight. So the basis of Christian unity is just Paul's teaching on the body, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And in the book of Psalms, it talks about, you know, it's beautiful when Christians are united. You know, Mm -hmm. behold how good it is when Christians, when brothers dwell in unity. Right. It's a beautiful thing, and it's how God has created us. And we know that prior to the fall, Adam and Eve were perfectly united. Mm -hmm. They were one flesh, as the Bible says, and and there was no disunity in that sense, you know? Right. And they had perfect unity with God, too. Right. So in a sense, this idea of unity kind of only really makes sense if you're post-millennial. Why is that? To a post-millennial, that's our end game. You know, that's our end goal. And that's a goal that we think that is able to be accomplished. And that, you know, there's this task that's been given to us to go and make disciples. That means baptizing them and teaching them and being united to other people and expanding Mm -hmm. God's kingdom. If you don't see things that way, if that's not your eschatology, then... Unity is kind of impossible. Yeah, and this was Jesus' high priestly prayer, that we Christians Mm -hmm. would be one as he and the Father were one. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point, too, how even in the Trinity, we see this perfect unity Mm -hmm. and how unity is even a way in which we mirror the Godhead. So what are some differences, I guess, within Christians that that, that we should talk about yeah i think well i think it's helpful if we break it down to like three categories obviously there's the christians mm-hmm. someone who believes the gospel jesus was the son of god Apostles who came to Creed. take away the sins of the world yeah yeah that's a christian mm-hmm. and then a non-christian is someone who rejects that right they yeah. could be a muslim they could be a religious person but they're not a christian or rejects some part of it Right. Like some part of the Apostles' Creed or something. Well, certainly, because there are people who say, I'm a Christian, but they don't really believe anything that Christians believe. Exactly. Um, So that would all fall under the category of Mm non-Christian. And then we have a third category of family. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are people that you're united to in a special and unique way Mm -hmm. that is different than even Christians and unbelievers. So it's kind of another body of waters that you got to wade through. So, do you want to start with Christians first? 
Yes, I think most of my concerns are with that group. Right. Here's a for instance. We're okay. Presbyterian. Right. We, you know, haven't shied away from that fact. Mm-hmm. And even our friends, the rebels, they are not Presbyterian. Right. And somehow we're still able to do a podcast together. Yeah, be in the same network together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't feel any conflict about it. I don't feel any tugging at my soul. You know, God's telling yeah. us that we're doing something wrong and I don't feel superior to them. Let's be honest, like P-Nate's probably smarter than just about everyone that we know. Yeah, but, it scares me. Um, how can that be? I think... When you have a certain mission or you have a certain set of base doctrines mm-hmm. that you hold up as primary or mm-hmm. as of first importance, mm-hmm. obviously the gospel always being of first importance, mm-hmm. but there are nuances to theology, like we're just talking about eschatology mm-hmm. or even salvation, mm-hmm. synergistic versus monergistic. And so what does that mean? That's a kind of a so, fancy term. Rather than just say Calvinism versus Arminianism, mm-hmm. basically synergistic are, uh, is that we cooperate with God in our salvation. He sent his son, but we're the ones that believe and we kind of work together with God's working to bring about our regeneration and new life, like new we heart. we have to choose Right, we choose, right. Mm-hmm. So we're working together. That's the synergy. It's two, two parties working together, whereas monergistic is one party exerting energy and so that's god being the the sole actor in that right god reaches out and snatches us so but that affects preaching that affects that affects how you preach and that affects um a lot of other theologies and so that ends up becoming a a very primary issue Mm -hmm. so for us rebel alliance media that's a primary thing you got to be monergistic in how you view salvation and then eschatology like you're just talking that that shapes your view of missions. It shapes mm-hmm. your view of the Great Commission. It shapes your view of how you engage culture yep. and all that kind of stuff. And so that becomes a primary thing. Well, and that's kind of interesting, too, because I think for years, you mm-hmm. and I have both said that the last thing we would ever split hairs over is eschatology. I know, right? And then we became post-millennial and we're like, holy moly, this really does affect so much. Yeah. Because it changes the whole game plan. Yeah, and I think every single Christian out there who believes in engaging and changing the culture with the gospel is postmill, whether they believe it or not. Yeah. Or whether they want to admit it or not. Well, they'll say, like, I'm an optimistic, millennial or something. Well, and those are, yeah, those are the clever ones that are yeah. trying to <laughs> not be labeled. But even people who want to kind of give a lighthearted comment about eschatology, but they're all about changing the culture with the gospel. It's like, dude, you're just postmill. You just don't even, yeah, well, you don't even know it. Because you believe that's possible and you're right. fighting for that. Yeah. You know, if you believe that the world's so going to you. hell in a handbasket, why? Why would you, yeah. why would you even dream about changing the culture? Yeah. So we're super thankful for inconsistent right. um, dispensationalists. There can be unity in a certain set of beliefs. And so that's why, our denomination, the PCA, mm-hmm. has the Westminster Confession of Faith. And mm-hmm. so that's what we are all unified in, is that we adhere to that confession. We believe that that confession is a correct interpretation mm-hmm. of the Bible. And even within the denomination, there's a lot going on right now. But, I mean, there are still people who will say that I'm going to take an exception to this or to that. Right. And those are granted because certain nuances don't strike at the core beliefs of the gospel, of the confession of Christianity. 
Mm-hmm. And so those are allowed. Mm-hmm. So that's what how that works. Right. And but, you still have to have like a biblical reason to take exception. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, exactly. You can't just be like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's 1689 London Baptist Confession that mm-hmm. many hold to. There are, is the three forms of unity. The, the church has always written creeds and confessions mm-hmm. to help unify. Mm-hmm. They aren't meant to divide. divide. They're meant to unify mm-hmm. people so that there's a common understanding. Right. So I think that's where Christians can gain a lot of unity. Mm-hmm. A church elder board or staff session, um, whatever right. you call it, should be unified with a common understanding of doctrines. If there's differences on that, mm-hmm. on that leadership level, you're going to have a messy church. Oh, yeah, for sure. We've talked about how certain types of missions, like, you know, this podcast, we, we can have more differences in this podcast amongst mm-hmm. Andrew and Ben and, you know, Nate and Chris and you and I, mm-hmm. and we can all have, you know, different distinct little things here or there. And it doesn't, it doesn't pose a threat. You know what I mean? Right. Not really, not truly. So long mm-hmm. as we're holding to some distinctives, but like you said, there's, there's certain situations like uh, a session or an elder board mm-hmm. or when, when there are certain issues like uh, do the sign gifts, continue or right. what about women, women in ministry yeah, and and there's there are other things like that where there's going to be a lot of contention and a lot of bitterness and a lot of stark difference yeah it's just going to create problems if you're not unified in those uh, situations but then there are other ministries like abortion ministries you know um, yeah, like parachurch stuff right yeah uh soup kitchen type things mm-hmm. where there is a ministry in our town called Operation Inasmuch, mm-hmm. and they work with homeless people. And right. they actually just um, finished building a really cool homeless shelter. And they have a bunch of bunks, and they have uh, a meal there for anyone who wants to come every night. They can come get a hot meal and showers and all kinds of stuff. But they also have a Bible study every single morning. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to stay at this shelter... have to get... Yeah, you have to stay for the Bible study the next morning. Mm -hmm. Those types of organizations and, like we said, the pregnancy crisis centers Mm -hmm. or anti-abortion ministries, those are situations where it gets a little trickier. You know, you can do, you can stand outside of Planned Parenthood and hold a sign and protest with a Catholic. We just did. Right. A couple weekends ago, we took our kids out to Planned Parenthood. and. There was a few Catholic priests, mm-hmm. and that did not bother my conscience at all. I right. thought that was awesome to see him out there. When the kids and I went up to D.C. and we marched at the pro-life march last January, mm-hmm. I mean, there was like, you know, priests and nuns. And <laughs> I mean, there was a woman with crazy hair, and she yeah, was holding, everything. you know, a sign. And right, I mean, it was just like this. I mean, it ran the gamut, all different kinds of people, and they're all uniting to stop this injustice. That's great. I think that's perfectly right, and we should band together on the things that we can band together to stop injustices. But now here's where it gets tricky. Okay. That Bible study at that homeless shelter, are we going to be okay with a Catholic priest coming in and doing the Bible study? Part of me wants to say no, right? Like, well, no, I'd want a Protestant theology to be... Mm -hmm. My encouragement to anyone who has qualms with those types of uh, nuances in parachurch ministries is you go do it. If you have a problem with the theology being taught or the person who's doing it or something, 
then you volunteer to have another Bible study or just start to get involved to then hopefully be the one teaching or or you be the one that starts your own homeless shelter. And so that way, you know, good theology is going to be taught at the Bible study at that homeless shelter. Right. But I'm saying if you're the owner of that homeless shelter, like if you funded the building and... and oh, okay. So you are running it. Like you're the sponsor, basically. And you well, I would obvi- just lead the Bible study myself. <laughs> well, what if that's not possible? What if you have yeah. a bunch of ministers in the area who are helping you out and they've all offered to lead the Bible study? What do you do? Do you let them all do a Bible study? Do you pick the one that best aligns with your theology? I mean, how do you decide? Well, for the sake of unity, what do you decide? I think I don't I don't even know if the the Catholic would be able to 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 lead a Bible study under like a ministry I led though cuz it would be under some sort of theological statement which would be really opposed to. So what you're saying is in order to teach a Bible study, you must hold to some confession. Yeah. There's so many nuances to this question (laughs) in this scenario. (laughs) But this is where a lot of Christians, I mean, they have a hard time Uh are these types of situations. Do I march with the Catholic, but can the Catholic then turn around and lead a Bible study at my homeless shelter? What's the difference there? Yeah. I mean, it's it's doctrine being taught is the difference. Right. It, if there's a proclamation of God's word being heralded, mm-hmm. then we need to make sure that that's being done clearly and accurately. Mm-hmm. If there's no word being preached necessarily, but there's like a, I want to say social justice because that a sounds... A service. Yeah. Yeah. If there's some type of... It, it is a justice thing, right? Like when we when we do march to protest abortions or, mm-hmm. I mean, there are just certain things that we do like that. I mean, we're not necessarily like preaching a sermon as we're mm-hmm. doing that. You know what I mean? I mean, we're quote unquote, I'm air quoting here. We're saying something. Right. But all of you are saying the same thing. Don't kill these babies. Right. The priest, everyone is saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's once you start preaching your doctrine that right. the, the different views are going to start to come out. Right. You know? So I guess that's kind of where we would come down. If there's not a Bible study and you're just protesting mm-hmm. in injustice, mm-hmm. then if someone's willing to fight an injustice with you, do it. Whether it's to end racism or abortion or, I mean, some other crazy thing that your city is doing that you don't like and you think is unbiblical. Mm-hmm. March with people who are going to march with you. Right. But we should guard against false teaching. And even that can be so nuanced, though, because what then if someone does agree with your confession and comes and teaches at your Bible study, your homeless shelter... But they just say something that you don't necessarily agree with, though it's not heresy. You just don't particularly agree with their belief. You just say, then, for the sake of unity, I'm just going to let it go. Well, I think you should have a relationship with this person who's leading the study such that you can approach them or engage with them on theological topics and try to... Here's a good example. Try to disciple um, what if this person who agrees, like you both hold to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Okay. He's leading this Bible study at your homeless shelter, right? All right. Sounds good so far. <laughs> yeah. You've had many conversations, agree on just about everything. Mm-hmm. What if he... Sounds like a best friend. What if he teaches against tattoos? Is that something where you're <laughs> just going to let it go and say, this isn't worth arguing about? This is such a a nonsensical thing to argue about. Though this man thinks it's not nonsensical, hence he brought it up. So it, 
This would depend on his vehemency. So is this guy doing this like all the time? Well, he's brought it up like once or twice over the course of a year. Part of me would be like, are you secretly judging me every single time I'm around you? (laughs) Because my tattoos are not like pre, you know, they're not BC. I would have to have a conversation with them. You would have to. Yeah, you know I would. And then what if he says, yeah, I think what you have on your arms are sinful. I'd be like, am I an unrepentant sin? Am I? What if he says yes? <laughs> well, I mean, we just disagree. Would I you mean, still I... let him do your Bible study? Yeah. You would. So you wouldn't let that cause disunity? No, not not that. Because I don't think it's, I mean, it, it'd kind of be shocking to me that he's okay with himself doing it, being under someone who's in such grievous sin. That's true. So silly things like, tattoos or whether or not you can get your nose pierced or watch a rated r movie or i mean there's tons of different examples whether you can drink alcohol or not yeah yeah Yeah. the list goes on you know can a woman have short hair or you know can a guy have long hair yeah whatever i think there's a lot of grace you can understanding you can exhibit while still doing mission together doing bible study together yeah and i think to some extent too we have to just assume that people still need discipleship yeah so right. someone might be like a great Christian and super knowledgeable and theologically astute, but still just need some discipleship in some areas instead of dividing, you know, and and distancing ourselves from them. Maybe mm-hmm. we should come closer to them and actually start discipling them and, and showing them what we believe to be true. So I want to talk about a super hypothetical situation, which is debating theological topics on social media you're talking christian to christian here yes so christian to christian you're debating a theological topic with another brother in the faith or sister so this is not like the catholic and the protestant arguing about justification by faith alone let's be real the ones arguing over doctrine are all reform people on social media (laughs) this is very true there is a well-known group on Facebook known for just banning people. Like, this is like what they do. I have witnessed too much ugliness mm-hmm. between Baptist and Presbyterian, and they're debating baptism, and they're sharing this article, that article, and, and I get robust dialogue between <laughs> people, you know, and, and even deep, you know, strong theological conversation. And I had lunch today with a good friend who was asking me about about infant baptism and who is a Baptist? Yeah, who's a Baptist? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And just wanting to know my view. And I just shared my view and what it was that drew me over to that view. And he was asking me questions and I wasn't badgering him or anything or calling him, names. you know, names. I wasn't calling him ignorant. I wasn't telling him that, you know, you don't know how to read your Bible and on and on. Right. I mean, the dude's already asking questions and studying. So if I think my view is right and has more evidence, then if he keeps studying, he'll eventually get there. But we just see it ugly on, on social media. And you're not even necessarily saying that you can't discuss on social media. No, yeah. I, I think it's how we do it. And, you know, Jesus said, the world will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. Mm-hmm. When you go on Twitter and create a 15 to 20, 30 tweet thread going back and forth one another and you're not debating, you're just jabbing at each other and it doesn't sound nice right you can say you have the most pure motives in your heart all day long all the way up and down Mm -hmm. but it looks ugly and i've seen it and it just is it's a huge turnoff right someone who's curious about the reformed faith just in general is going to be like oh yeah that is true they are prideful 
They are stuck up. Well, and that's why Calvinists always get called, you know, cage stagers right, when they yeah. first become Calvinists because it's like they just can't be nice. They've been lied to for so long yeah, that right. <laughs> they're just mad at everyone for lying to them, even people that had nothing to do with their bad theology. So right. baptism, uh, soteriology, mm-hmm. and even like worship music. Yeah. I feel like we're pretty nitpicky about worship and have a pretty uh, regulatory type mindset. But man alive, there are people who say to each other on social media, you don't understand the Bible. You don't even like worship the same God I worship Mm -hmm. because they like different type of worship music. It's just ridiculous. I know. When we're engaging other Christians on social media, this is where I think Socrates nailed it. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. When you make positive truth claims about another person's interpretation of the Bible or their character, you Mm -hmm. just come off as a jerk. Yeah. Because you're claiming a whole lot of knowledge there. Right. But if you ask a question like, well, how does this affect your doctrine of this? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you can you can be gentle, forthcoming, truthful, and trying to get at the, the point of the matter and all that kind of stuff and not sound like a jerk. Well, and I think something that would be really helpful is to ask yourself to why are you engaging in this? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the motivation behind this? Yeah. Is the motivation behind this argument or this thread that you're starting, is it really to help someone understand your point of view and come to your side? Mm-hmm. Well, then you have to be strategic. You need to think, how can I best communicate my side and convince them of my argument? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, calling someone a nasty name and demeaning them, Mm -hmm. it's probably not the way you're going to win them to your side. Nope. But that might be your tactic if your intention is to look smarter than that person or to demean that person or to shut them down and make them look stupid. And if that's the case, if you're just trying to exalt yourself, I think that's sinful anyway. Yeah, for sure. So I would just encourage anyone listening who engages with other Christians on social media, on doctrinal stuff like that, to where your other non-Christian friends are going to see it. Beware. Pray before you hit send. Mm-hmm. You know, um, really read it over and think, how do I sound here? Have someone else maybe look at it, a spouse or mm-hmm. something. Do I sound like a jerk? Or does this sound, you know... Can I make this sound... A little bit, yeah. Kinder. A little smoother on the mm-hmm. edges. And, you know, I, I'm not against, like pointed or well argued like rhetoric either yeah yeah p nate over at rebels podcast he's he's uh he's done some some tweets where you know it's like dispensational versus you know the post mill and stuff and it's kind of rhetorical and funny Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a little jab but what it does is it reveals a flaw in their hermeneutic yeah he does it very masterfully yeah and and i've seen him engage in a lot of conversations on social media, Ben Emery is good too. Mm-hmm. And they just do it in a way that you you can't really be mad at them. You're like, oh, you're right. And yeah. I'm not mad either. Yeah. You know, but other people, it's like, you might be right, but you're just a jerk. And I don't want to listen to you. Yeah. And that was one of the one of the things that scared me the most about you becoming a Calvinist. It's <laughs> because I had had such... He's already a jerk. What's going to happen if he becomes a Calvinist? <laughs> No, because I had had such terrible run-ins with Calvinists, and they were they were they were just jerks. When yeah. when you became one, I was so scared <laughs> that you were going to just be mean. You know, and and I had friends that were the same way. And I remember when I was becoming a Calvinist, but and Presbyterian too. I thought in my head, I do not want to be those people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that person. And I know the temptation is there, but that's why Paul said, "Knowledge puffs up," mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, we just have to be aware that as God gives us 
greater knowledge of doctrine that the threat of getting puffed up is there too. Right. So submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and to, you know, be humbled that Mm -hmm. you were given greater insight, greater understanding. Right. And don't, you know, require yourself to be put in a cage. Right. And I mean, honestly, if we are reformed and we believe that God is sovereign, that in God's sovereignty, he can use your well thought out, kind response on Mm -hmm. social media to do the same thing as if you just were a jerk, Mm -hmm. you know, like God doesn't need you to like type words in a certain way in order to bring about regeneration in someone's heart or whatever. Like, I mean, it's just not our job. Like, yes, we should be truthful. We should not be ashamed to speak the truth, Mm -hmm. but we also need to speak the truth in love. Exactly. I don't want to sound too much like the world when they claim that Christians are unloving. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes we just sound like we're not accepting of certain people, but half of loving someone is just speaking the truth to them. Sometimes you are just going to sound mean because you just don't agree with someone. And we're not talking about that. Yeah. We're talking about like... Christian to Christian. Right. Christian to Christian. Mm -hmm. You can still communicate something to someone in a way that is persuasive and intelligent and well thought out. Mm-hmm. As opposed to pulling out a slander or a not nice word and right. hitting send. Yeah, we're not to be employed in muckraking. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where they just bash the other side to discredit them and everything. And then you hold up your doctrine as, right. as look how great mine is. Between Christian and Christian, in doctrine, in debate over certain doctrines, we have to exhibit brotherly love. Do that. The world is watching. Unbelievers are watching. And speaking of unbelievers, so at what level do we pursue unity with unbelievers? So like neighbors, coworkers, yeah, that type of thing. Because that's like most common. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if you have some sort of common activity you do or yeah. your family does and you encounter. You're in softball. Or, unbelievers. Yeah. Maybe you're a part of your local city's, you know, drone flying club. Those are all the rage these days. Okay. I have no idea. I just made that up. And so, yeah. So what do we say about this? I mean, we have a mission that Jesus has given us to spread the gospel and disciple the nations. Mm -hmm. You normally don't make a lot of friends when you're on that mission. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not super close with tons of people at my work. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. As long as they know that I love Jesus and that I'm one of those, quote, real Christians. I get that all the time. Well, and if you are being a real Christian, there is going to be a large portion of people who distance themselves from you. You yeah. might, you know, exchange the niceties and mm-hmm. and offer to pull their trash cans up from the side of the road or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's that's totally fine. And we should right. be Christian in those ways. And when we do get to have conversations with our neighbors, we should seek to find ways to bring it back to the gospel and, mm-hmm. and all those things. But the reality of it is that we are not united to them. They are not they mm-hmm. are not of us, you know? Yeah. And even Jesus himself says that, you know, that um, my sheep know me, they hear my voice, and, and they follow my voice. Right. And there are going to be people who don't follow Jesus because they are not one of his sheep. Yeah, and in the high priestly prayer, again, he only prayed for the disciples and those who would believe in their teaching. Right. He didn't pray for everyone. He was cared. He cared for, like you said, his sheep. That mm-hmm. was it. Yeah. But as far as disunity with the unbeliever, it doesn't mean that we are scared of them, right. that we don't talk to them, that we don't get too close. Right. We're not going to catch their icky. <laughs> right. We are the ones with the Holy Spirit in us 
and with the power of the gospel, um, we are to go out, find ways to share that. And we do have that optimistic eschatology. We do believe that there is a world out there that all of that needs to be brought under subjection to Christ's lordship. That's our job Mm -hmm. to go do that. So when we do approach our neighbor and we do share the gospel with them. We don't do so being like, I don't know, like they may not like this and they mm-hmm. never talk to me again. Like the gospel is an offense. But Michael said when he was on, he was like, we know they don't like it. Yeah. That's why we share it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The hard part of this sometimes is you get people who you know are not a believer. Mm-hmm. And I experienced this my last deployment a few years ago and a kid who was a Mormon came to the Bible study I was leading and I'm like, well, that's fine. He can come. and. Mm-hmm. But then he tried to tell me, like, oh, we're, we're the same. And I was like, let's go get dinner, man. And, like, we <laughs> talked. And eventually I was just like, we don't believe the same stuff. I mean, yeah. they tell you we do. But when we get down to it and we talked about several things, I was like, we don't believe the same right. Jesus. Right. I didn't want to. Pretend. Let him, yeah, pretend like we are on the same page. So that, that'll that be tricky. And, I, man, I tried to be gracious. Well, and skillful. But... We're told to be wise in mm-hmm. our actions. and So we don't have to just go up to someone and be like, hey, stupid, you're going to hell. Yeah. But I like, have something better for you. Yeah. Like, we can use skill. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <And> dummy. <laughs> I don't um, I don't recommend that approach. We should be skillful and that's wise. That's approach, not a wise one. <laughs> I mean, I guess God could use it. You never know, but when you're at work, that doesn't mean when the unbeliever says, you know, "Hi, would you sit and have lunch with me?" You go, "No, no, no. We're not unified." Yeah. So I can't have lunch with you. What are you nuts? Well, and what I was saying is that our eschatology would compel us to bring about unity between between us and the non-Christians. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is by the gospel, mm-hmm. sharing the gospel and then repenting of their sins right. because of this gospel message. Yeah. That's how we um, expand God's kingdom, but also we do create unity by sharing the gospel with non-believers. There's no unity prior to them repenting and turning away from their sin, mm-hmm. but we can be an agent of reconciliation in that sense, you know? Yeah, there is a a sweet unity that you can now rejoice in if someone does come to faith. There's a rejoicing that can be had when someone does come to faith because it's a deeper and true unity there. Right. Well, that's why we can look at our church and even our friends group. I mean, there are people we would never be friends with outside of... I know, right? ...of just being Christians. You know, we have friends that are 40 years our senior. We have mm-hmm. friends that are, I mean, 15 years younger than us and are still in high school. I mean, we have all different races, all different right. backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, hobbies, countries. Ta- interests, and I everything. Mean, and it's because we, we do have this unity in Christ. Yeah, we are bond. one body, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's awesome. Talking about common bond, what about unity within family? Right. Well, this is different too than just your typical non-Christian relationship because if someone at work is like really skeezy and just trouble and they're constantly wanting to go out to the bars and get drunk, I mean, you're not going to be like, yeah, I'll go to the bars and get drunk with you for the sake of being a gospel witness, right? <laughs> yeah. So you you probably aren't going to engage with those types of people in that manner. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Thanksgiving at Nana's and <laughs> you have that one cousin who shows up drunk and leaves even more drunk and is just a hot right. mess the whole time. I mean, you can't avoid family typically forever. You know, there are a lot of people who are 
stuck in some pretty interesting family dynamics and right. it's not always healthy. There are probably some circumstances you should avoid, certainly. Uh-huh. And but- as parents, you definitely should uh, talk with your kids yeah. from as early as they can understand the human language. You know, the English language, you should be discussing <laughs> with your children. Listen, Uncle Bobby's going to come to Thanksgiving with Nana. Yeah. He uses a dialect of English that is not helpful and not good. (laughs) Right. And he's going to say a lot of things that are not true. So just know whatever Cousin Bobby says, or Ricky, or whatever I said his name was. Mm, Bobby. Okay, we'll go with Bobby. Uh, Darn you, Bobby. (laughs) Ruining every holiday. It's Ricky Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) What about Bobby and Ricky come to your mind? (laughs) That Um, would be a crazy holiday. Yeah, we should talk about that with our kids before we go there. But we are still called to be a gospel witness and a presence Mm-hmm. Even in our families. Yeah. And Jesus said that he's going to divide families. The gospel still has potential to divide families. Right. So maybe because you, you know, did say a Thanksgiving Day prayer and in your prayer you shared the gospel or whatever. And that really offends Ricky Bobby. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not coming back to Thanksgiving next year because of that. And yeah. That's very sad, but that is the reality mm-hmm. of the gospel. The gospel does bring division. If that happens, that shouldn't be discouraging to you. You should still reach out to him, love him, be a, a faithful witness to your mm-hmm. family. But it does bring a different dynamic than just your coworker or neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus didn't mean if you're a Christian, divide your family. He was saying... Or stay away from them. Yeah. He was saying being a Christian on mission in this world mm-hmm. is going to break families apart. Right. People aren't going to like you. So, And we've seen that with friends. And and even our own family. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of family members who don't like us because of yeah. things that we post on nuts. Facebook. Yeah. Or yeah. how we decide to live. Or we're still kind with them. We still yeah. love them. We still um, do try and share gospel truths with them mm-hmm. whenever we can. Right. But because they chose to distance themselves from us because of our beliefs, that is now harder to do. Mm-hmm. We're not around them as much. or Yeah, there's there's a unique opportunity with family as well because sometimes you're all just forced to be together. Mm-hmm. So take advantage of the opportunities. Well, and sometimes I think that for the sake of unity, we don't do or say certain things. We think, well, if I, if I do stand up and say, please don't use the F-bomb around my two-year-old. He's right. just learning to speak. I don't want that to be one of the words in his vocabulary. Yeah. If you just ask simple things like that, or you just say, I know you work at Planned Parenthood. Tell me about that. Tell me how you can justify mm-hmm. the slaughter of babies yeah. or whatever. I mean, you can have engaging conversations with family. Right. And it's going to make them angry when you engage in those kind of topics, you know. So for the sake of not offending your cousin or your aunt or whatever, we just, for the sake of unity, shut up and we're not faithful witnesses. And we're saying you're not actually preserving any unity because outside of that person becoming a Christian, there's no true unity. So you might think "I'm, I'm preserving some semblance of unity in our family by not sharing the gospel or not being a faithful witness, but that's actually a fallacy. We could talk more. I know, I feel like we just keep going and going and going. We're sorry if your name is Ricky Bobby. (laughs) The the idea of unity and peace is huge in the Bible, Mm -hmm. and it's what Jesus did Mm -hmm. by his blood, was bring peace through his blood. So we should all be pursuing this. Mm -hmm. If you're Christians, try and find places you can create more unity, because Mm -hmm. that is something that we're told to do in scripture, that we should be of one mind, 
same thought. Yep. One spirit, we're one body. Mm-hmm. United in yeah. faith. Mm-hmm. If and we Paul- do share that same faith, then we yeah. should be seeking ways to be more united. And yeah. and we don't believe that there can't be denominational differences. And in no, fact, yeah. I think that denominational differences do in fact create unity at times. Because yeah. instead of a church divided, we could just, you know, separate, worship separately, but still come together and work and, and do those parachurch ministries in a way that is yeah. united and right. it helps create more peace. Paul and Barnabas splitting up furthered the gospel ministry because they got their own partner and then they both went different directions and spread the gospel. The Christian ones where we could spend a whole other episode <clears throat> getting into like the nuances yeah, right. of it all. But So be very mindful of your your speech and conduct. I think it speaks volumes to other Christians and to the unbelievers, especially on social media. So mm-hmm. we encourage you with that. Yep. And we hope that this episode was beneficial mm-hmm. and edifying to you. Tune in next week for another episode. Tune in Monday for Fathers of the Faith, for Covenant Kids. And Wednesday. For Rebel Podcast. That's right. Thank you for listening. We pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart. From original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches, will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. If it 
wasn't for the spirit's mysterious operation uh -huh. We would all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1, yeah And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation This situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted so my dirt was inexcusable with new internal pupils his person is beautiful his worth is indisputable the lamb is amazing a standing ovation for his work in the crucible so let us respond with true worship and love to the god who was given new birth from above yeah.